fashion, art, culture, and design podcast brought to you by The Folklore. The Folklore is a contemporary online concept store and wholesale showroom that curates Africa's top luxury and emerging designer brands. My name is Amira Rasul. I am the founder and CEO of The Folklore and the host of this podcast. This is episode five of Our Folklore, and I'm actually super excited about this episode, so I'm not going to you know, give you a whole big spiel other than to, you know, head to shopthefolklore.com and make some purchases. And we are still delivering a little bit of delays, but we're still delivering. But other than that, I want to really just focus on this episode. It's going to be one of our longer episodes because the conversation that I had with this person was just brilliant. And I'm not going to lie. This is one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done period and that's period with a t and mind you i've interviewed a lot of people in my journalism career but this is definitely one of my favorites it was one of those interviews where i didn't even have to ask questions much it was just like flowed really naturally and you know really uh the topic that we spoke about was extremely great but yes let me introduce who we are going to be speaking with this week So we are joined by New York-based creative director, consultant, and entrepreneur Joseph Adamu. The Toronto-born creative is the founder of Sunday School, a brand agency that caters to the development of creative campaigns and social media management for various brands. He has worked with brands such as Shea Moisture, Facebook, Canon, Nike, and Universal Music to produce works that reflect his Nigerian heritage, and Africa's global community as a whole. We spoke with Joseph about Toronto's diasporic community, his creative journey, and his latest series, Jump Ball. So I'm really excited for you to listen to this interview. We spoke about a lot of great things, and we are actually going to be having a short IG live conversation with Joseph today on our Instagram at The Folklore at 7 p.m. If you're listening to this the day the episode drops, Wednesday, April 15th, you can check that out. But until then, listen to the interview. So my first question is, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Man, um, so... As much as I hate labels, <laughs> I would say yeah, I'm sort of a, or kind of a creative director. I know that term and phrase and um, responsibility comes with so many different duties. Um, but I see myself as the, the visionary that um, finds the right people and finds the right teams to put together really dope um, creative projects. Uh, so whether that's the art director, the writer, um, the, the stylist, the makeup artist, the photographer, the videographer, etc., I find a way to bring them together and kind of build a concept and build a taste, a taste direction that um, allows them to, you know, flourish. And, 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 and these, these, these ideas come to fruition. Um, and that's kind of what Sunday school creative is. It's, it's a, it's a platform. It's a multimedia agency that allows us to work on projects and work with different companies and partner on different ideas that bring the community together, but also speak on our stories. And these diverse campaigns are stories that are embedded in the Black community, whether that being African, Caribbean, um, Black American, Afro-Latina, you name it. Um, and we're just trying to find ways to do that at an increasing level, at a level of quality. And um, I'm just so excited to be a part and to be the person leading one of the streams that focuses specifically on this. No, that's um, amazing. I yeah. like stalk Sunday school and you on Instagram, just like 
your life. Always stop. finding inspirational content, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, it's, it's, it's been a journey. Um, and, you know, at every step of the way, it's like I'm learning more, meeting new people like yourself that allow me to network and just, you know, see how much further I can take this. And, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been explorative for sure. It's been, it's been explorative and I'm always looking to work with people that are looking to push that envelope. So these stories I'm telling are honestly just the foundation that's being scratched and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what we can, we can take it to. Um, so before I even get to the next question, I, I wanted to speak on the fact that Sunday School Creative kind of started out <clears throat> um, as a passion project funnel, okay. right? So it was one of those things that I, I was bringing people together and we're just kind of having fun. Well, we're, we're creating really dope work, but it, there wasn't really an intention behind it. It was just more like really dope colors, really dope aesthetic, great people that are doing great things. And then over time, after, you know, releasing really, really big projects like the hair appointment, it, it just really showed me that um, this is something that people need. This is something that can turn into a, a biannual magazine, a coffee table book. Um, this could lead to uh, actual agency representation. So, uh, you know, are, are we working with different, individual partners or you're working with other companies to create product or, or create stories like we're doing but on a, on a much more established level. And um, it's a lot of potential in it as well. So I think that's another thing I'd love to just kind of graze by people, the idea of a passion project turning something a lot more established and a lot more legit. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been inspiring to see how I've taken it from something I was doing for fun to something that I literally consider a part, a full-time thing a full-time gig, a full-time, um, a lifetime achievement almost. <laughs> mm, like okay, I like that. It, where I'm working on it every day and regardless of if I'm happy or not, it's something that's going to fuel some form of motivation. And the people that I'm tying it with or working with or collaborating with also see it in that way as well. So it's kind of like hope for the community in a way because you don't see too many of these types of things out there, right? Um, that's why I love what you're doing. That's why I love what Josh is doing with our stories and all these mm-hmm. other things. It's just really, really empowering things for our community and it's unapologetic you know we're not looking for um approval from commercial companies we're yep. just doing, we're doing what we're doing we're doing it really well so sorry to add that part in there but yeah no I, I was just thinking i was like this is about to be the easiest interview i've ever done i was like he just knocked out about two three of my questions <laughs> Right. My, my apologies. I don't know why I added that in there. I usually don't do that. I'm sorry. No, it's good though, because sometimes, you know, like me coming from a journalism background and interviewing, right. you know, different like celebrities who don't really like to be interviewed, but right. their PR is basically making them because it's like, all right, you're dropping this single. You have to at least talk right. to like exactly. people. Exactly. So yeah. it's like pulling teeth when I'm asking them questions. Right. Like they want right. They just want to go home. And I'm just like, look, I want to go home too, but I'm yeah. getting paid. So, Give me something. (laughs) They don't understand it's a duty. But yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yes, no, so I love that. And I want to step back a bit and first talk about how you even got involved in the creative industry. Like what made you pick up your first camera or, or, you know, style your first gig? Right. Um, So I'm not sure. I mean, we've probably been um, aware of each other for the last maybe few years too. But I've been doing Mm -hmm. this for about... I'd say like seven, seven years now, oh, wow. um, okay. about seven years, 27 this year. So around 2021. So yeah, I started around there. Um, and it was beyond, it was before the camera. It was before, you know, aesthetic was really involved. I was just trying to be a model. Okay. I went to the university of Toronto, um, undergrad student for in studying digital management. And, uh, I was walking around school one day and 
I'm not sure if it's a thing here, but the Asians at the school just have like the freshest gear. Oh the yes, like, they're always dressed really well. They they got the the Miu Miu, they got Prada, they got you name it. They have it all. Have and, you walked by uh, NYU? Nah, but I can only imagine. You just need to go post up by NYU. The the only, inspiration right? you'll it's the crazy, dream. right? It's crazy. Like that was the first. I think that, that was when I was first introduced to like Rick Owens and Geo Baskets and yep. Ramones yep. and all these types of things they, they were wearing. Like, yep. Chris yep. Van Ash, like all that stuff. I didn't know about that stuff until you know Tumblr slash um, this inspiration I was being hit with at I, I, at college. Um, so I I was walking around school one day and I was really inspired by it, but I couldn't afford it. So my me and my two homies of mine um, found out about thrifting <laughs> and, the, okay. and, and, and the and the and the and the art of going into these stores and putting together really dope outfits with not much money um, was always admiring to me. So I got into that and over a few months, I started to like really change the way I dressed. Um, coming from a hood background, I was dressed in a lot more baggy clothing. I played a lot of basketball. But then I kind of drifted into like sartorial clothing. I was wearing like suits and like blazers to school. It was, it was, it was a time in my life. I'll definitely mm-hmm. tell you that. <laughs> definitely a time in my life. And um, one day I was stopped at the, at the school university um, for, uh, a photo because they wanted to take a photo for the school newspaper for like school style, um, best dress on campus, whatever. And I was like taken aback. Cause I've never taken a photo like that before. I, I never even thought I'd be you know worthy of that. And the photos came out really nicely. And I was like, yo, I, I wouldn't mind like looking into this t- type of, you know, um, department of, of, of creativity. So yeah. kept in touch with the, the editor um, and we took a few more photos. She wasn't that great, but to me in the moment, obviously this is a humble beginning. I thought she was incredible. So I posted it on Facebook and I got a lot of love and people were like, yeah, you're, you're like, you're a natural bro. You should pursue this and, and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, maybe I should. So from that, I started to really study the idea behind art direction and just like, you know, how, 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 how colors look together, the, the, the power of design, um, architecture, and just all these different things. And when I, when I say study, I don't mean like actually go to school for it, but just like, you know, informal studying online type of thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it got to a point where I started to just like kind of direct my own shoots. I started working with different photographers and let them know how I wanted things edited. And before you know it, I was in the editing room. So I became a person that was editing photography, but I still did it on my own camera. I was always just giving the directions and I knew how I wanted things to look. I was styling my own gigs, etc. And then I finally got to a point, I'd say 2014, 2015, where I started to borrow cameras from friends, style other people, kind of just take a hint at the idea of photography. I wasn't that great, but I was using a lot of visco cam to edit my photos, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and then eventually, after like three, four years of that, 2017, I finally birthed Sunday School where I was like, okay, I've been in front of the camera for these amount of years. Let me now give other people the platform to share with me and really put together a community, put together a platform where we can all put out these really dope projects. Um, that focus on creativity in our community. So I'm not gonna lie to you, it wasn't until like 2017, 2016, that I was like confidently behind the camera, uh, giving more direction, shooting it myself as well, and just kind of, you know, taking it as it, as it came. Um, and now we're here, four or five later after that, and just shooting a lot more consistently. I'm still a lot more confident and comfortable with the idea of creative direction and art direction, because I have a very defined eye yeah. for details and, and, and just taste level in general. Um, that's why uh, if you look to my work, I work with a lot of really dope photographers because I understand what they bring to the table and how I can um, assist that. Um, so yeah, no, I'd, I'd say my first time picking up a camera just to answer your question was probably 
22, 23, like okay. confidently. And then after, you know, I'm still shooting today, still getting better every day. So just, just, just happy that I can, you know, exercise this craft to begin with. So, yeah. So completely self-taught really. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't go to art school or anything like that. I'm honestly, I always shout out Tumblr and like um, Pinterest and all these blogs I used to follow growing up street etiquette, um, BK circus, Madbury club. These people really, these, these groups really, especially being black or people of color, these groups really set the tone for me. And it let me know coming from Toronto where like, I didn't really have those types of um, environmental surroundings. It let me know that this is out there. There's black men that are, you know, taking, taking risks like, like Andre 3000. <laughs> There's black yeah. men, black men and women that are really, you know, speaking for the community um, out there and doing it in an unapologetic platform. I mean, um, unapologetic way. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was really just learning off of just third party, third party um, references and just different content I was seeing online. Trying my best to see myself in it. You know what I mean? Not, not stealing, not, not, not imitating, but trying to find myself within that, that sort of lane and that sort of voice. And I think I found it after a few years. No, I can definitely, you know, tell that you have your own, you know, style. And I think that's something that Joshua Kizzy brought up in our interview about how, you know, for so long, they've just classified all black art as something that was very like monolithic and that there, there, you, you, when you look at, or research European art. There's like, you know, the um, Renaissance era. There's like all different types of like eras that you can pinpoint. Oh, this is a part of this, this time that was led by this artist. And this is, but I think that right now with the work that you're doing and the work that a lot of other photographers are doing, there's like a certain genre that is being, you know, brought to the forefront. Um, And there's multiple genres now. I completely agree. Um, yeah, if, if anything, now more than ever, uh, because like Africa is really making a name for itself. Uh, across continental, speaking about people in Nairobi, Lagos, Accra, um, Johannesburg, Cape Town, Marrakech, yep. you name it. Everyone, like all, all regions of Africa are really making noise right now. And then the diaspora itself, of course. And then there's people um, in America, people in different parts of South America. Like, it's really, really the time right now to um, just, like, take it there as, as Black creatives. So I completely agree with you. I think this is a genre we're creating. And you, you see that clearly through, um, through efforts like the Black Vanguard, mm-hmm. the, the, the black new, new Black Vanguard by, um, what's his name again? um i know who you're talking about I've seen yeah, yeah, yeah i forgot his name it's off my tongue um but yeah phenomenal effort phenomenal initiative um to see and bring it to life and make it in a whole exhibit and invite all the people that are participating in the in the book um i think that was great to see as well so yeah no more than ever, more than anything this is the time i think people that are not in the community are starting to take notice of that and really respect it for what it is because it's not we're like we're not in a box we're not just one lane it's several different lanes and i said on a podcast i had the other day on my on my ig live i don't know why i called it a podcast but <laughs> um there's so many untold stories within this black space that we still need to tell so if you're ever in a position where someone's asking if you only do black work please say yes <laughs> because yeah. you know i i mean i mean why do you need to move on if the, if the book is still unfinished right? Like there's so many chapters to still read, so many chapters to still dissect. And I think um, through the work we're doing, through the work Folklore is doing, 
our stories, Tono, uh, you name it. I, I can go on and on with all the companies and all the small businesses that are doing so well or just doing really empowering work. There are still so many untold chapters and untold um, stories. So let's that, just keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even, you know, when we're looking at history, there's so many untold stories, not even just from present day, but from, you know, points in history where they were either mischaracterized by, you know, the European people writing our history textbooks or not even mischaracterized, just completely, you know, removed from the historical index. So people looking back and I, I love seeing, you know, a lot of the older African photographers now, you know, being pushed to the light. You know, so people like James Barnard and everyone, you know, sharing those images now and 100% and really seeing, um, you know, how these countries went from, you know, uh, colonial colonial institutions to republics. And I, I really love uh, I really love how how so many different artists like yourself are, are capturing, you know, the now and the past. Uh, also, the guy was Antoine Sargent. I looked him up for the Antoine new Sargent, yeah. right. Right, he's killing it. Shout out to Antoine. Um, shout out to everybody else involved. I had a few friends in there. Just a beautiful collection of art, beautiful collection of different personalities and people. And um, I was I was unable to get my hand on one, but no, shout out to that entire initiative. It's, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, being from Toronto, right? What would you say the communal relationships between Black people are there? And, so, and how has that influenced your work? Yeah, um, very similar to New York City, very similar to London in the sense that extremely massive melting pots of Black culture. You yeah. have a very strong Caribbean community, Guyanese, Jamaican, Trini, Bayesian, Antiguan, you name it. They're there. They're there in, in bulk. <laughs> and they run, they run the cultural... Um, they, they, they run the face of the culture, I'd say that. Uh, from the way Drake speaks to the way Tory Lanez or The Weeknd might interpret things. Like, these, this, this is literally our culture. This is where we're from. Um, growing up in that space, but being on the African side, so, you know, um, on the West African side, you still are a part of that melting pot. You still are going to speak like the Jamaicans do. You're still going to speak like the Trinis do, just because their, their, their influence is so strong. So yeah. I was I was a bad... I was exposed to so many flavors of culture growing up um, from Caribbean to African to Hispanic to Arab to, 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 to South Asian to East Asian, you name it. Um, and bringing those all together, it always gave me a very, um, what's the word? Open mentality or just, or, or just, or just a, a wide perspective on, on how to interpret stories. I have Indian friends that would tell me about, you know, the way that they, conduct marriage ceremonies. I have Caribbean friends that tell me how they, how they conduct funeral um, ceremonies. And it's like all these different ideas and stories you hear allow you to really face things and be like, wow, like I heard about that. Wow. I have a friend from, from that part of town, etc." Um, so seeing that made me very big on just geography. Like I'm really big on like, if I'm speaking to you, I like to know where you're from. I don't care if it's the smallest city in New Orleans. <laughs> I mean, smallest, smallest city in, in, in Louisiana. Like I'm always, yeah. I'm always very, I'm always pinpointing like, where is that? What is it about over there that's different from everywhere else? Like, what are you guys known for? And I'll ask all these weird ass questions to people and they'll be like, yo, why, why are you so inquisitive? And it's like, man, I just come from a place where I'm 
exposed to so many different things. When I meet new people, I'm always intrigued to know, you know, their life story or, or different things about them and, and what makes them who they are. Um, so with that kind of background, it made the work I do extremely detailed, right? I don't want to just tell a story about an African family. I want to know where they're from, what kind of food they eat, how they dress. Do they go to the church on, a, on Sunday or, or do they go to the mosque on a Friday or are they atheists? Like I want to know everything down to the details of the clothing they wear. I'm not sure if you know about a lot of African countries um, within these tribes, within these countries, um, there's like specific color palettes for like the, the, um, the, the traditional clothing they wear that means or symbolizes different things. I know in Ghana, wearing white and black, but specifically white at funerals is actually um, normal. Okay. And it's actually, it's, it's actually how they interpret um, <clears throat> uh, different cultural uh, sayings. But when I was working on Jambal, for example, mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a Ghanaian friend sit me down and really talk to me about red, green, yellow. And I was like, yo, this is what I mean when I say I'm detailed. This is what I mean yeah. when I say the culture really influences the work I do. I want to know these things and interpret them in, in, in the way we tell the story to the, to the public. So I'd say without rambling on too much, I'd say these, these collections of knowledge, these collections of cultural um, things I've been exposed to have kind of made me a person of just like, what's the word? Multi-channels. I'm always looking yeah. to hear new things. I'm always looking to embed them in the work I do as well. Um, so yeah, coming to New York was a breeze because it was like I saw Jamaicans in Flatbush. I saw, you know, Senegalese people in Harlem. Um, I saw Ghanaian people in the Bronx and just bringing those um, experiences together. Plus the Hispanic people in Jackson, in Washington Heights. It's like, oh, okay, this is, this is very much so my sort of lane. Cause I, I've studied these avenues. I've studied these different communal um, channels for so long. So yeah, definitely reflection in my work. I'm always looking to expose the unknown. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely tell the similarities between Toronto um, and New York because I know I went there the, for the first time and I think I want to say two years ago for Caravana. Okay, nice. You went to Caravana. That's nice. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I had a ball. Yeah, it was great. And I was like, just seeing this, like, and it's funny because it's like I went there, and I, but I'd never been to like the um, Labor Day parade in oh, wow. Brooklyn. You know, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so drawn by like you know all the pictures and all of my friends who've told me like you know Toronto is the place to be when it comes to like you know the uh, the carnival, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. Definitely. And so even knowing that Toronto has that effect um, on 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 an event that you can go to globally uh, that that really speaks to the influence that you know the diaspora has in yeah. the area so when yeah. you know telling the stories that you tell and collaborating with companies like you with facebook and shea moisture and canon how do you negotiate either internally with yourself or externally with these companies that commission the work the creative freedom that you're going to have on these, those projects? That's a good question. Um, a lot, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the time, especially those three projects you just named, it's kind of given me the, um, the, 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 the open ability to kind of take it as I, as I like. Okay. Um, I, I also kind of understand that like my extreme create creative mind is, is a bit niche. <laughs> Unfortunately yeah. at times it, it does have a bit of a, 
um, a target audience that's extremely intentional. So I, I do loosen up a bit when I'm speaking to certain companies, especially when they're com completely commercial and other folks on sales. It's not going to be the same interpretation as like a Sunday school project. Um, and I understand that. So I do kind of meet halfway in a way. Um, and it's, it, it usually always works out. There's always different things that need to be you know, adjusted here and there. And it does get a little annoying because it's like, man, I know this is going to work. <laughs> but, you know, the company has guidelines and the company has a way to do things. Um, so you have to kind of meet halfway. So it's been pretty chill so far. I'm not going to sit here and ask about like 100 gigs from different companies. So I don't have that much experience where I can sit here and be like, oh, this, this, this company does it this way, this company does it this way. But with who I've worked with so far, uh, the handful of people I've worked with so far, it's usually been creative freedom where they give me the opportunity to kind of ex execute my vision fully if it's like an artist profile or something. But if it's like a director gig or I'm coming on board to kind of be a part of their fit, their brand and, and, and kind of execute their vision, um, yeah, we usually meet halfway. So I'll bring, I'll bring something really substantial to the plate, but then after it, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's their job to kind of dictate if they want to go with that. Should I like, you know, make things less specific or change the style a bit, but I never sacrificed my, my style overall. You're always going to see it and know mm -hmm. that I was involved. That's one thing that I feel is really important. Don't ever wash out your personal identity for a partner or company you're working with. Um, there's always ways to still embed your specific style. They're, they're, they're coming to you for a reason. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so you have to look at it like that. And um, yeah, for that reason, I've, I've been pretty, pretty successful. I'm working on something really dope right now with a specific company. And yeah, it's, it's, you'll be surprised. A lot of these really big companies um, are starting to understand the, the importance of just like personal flair like letting people kind of just flourish with their own personal style still tying it into the brand but it's not as like structured or fixes before like this is the company's guidelines you better do it this way it's more like okay we like what you're doing but can we kind of adjust a few things and that's where you know, you know i feel like that's how it should be as a collaboration so no i think i think that's important and i one thing that i want to ask you about is what are some of the things where you just have to draw the line where when it comes to you know culture because for so long a lot of these companies have been rather exploitative when it comes to working with black creatives yeah and that's something that i think has definitely changed with this like new era of creative creatives that you know want to collaborate with these companies but also don't want to sell out the culture you know i've i had to write something for a magazine and it was a sponsored article and it was about like it was about something with a drink company and i ended up like doing a the first draft which i thought was comfortable i felt comfortable with and then they asked me to add a bunch of different things and i said look if you publish this you can't put my name on it and now you know they don't want to publish this with a white public at a white publication without a black person attached to it right so, you know they they didn't do it you know they they just killed the article but you know how important is it for artists to you know, draw those lines and, and, and dictate, you know, uh, how our culture is being represented? No, that's, a, that's a great, great question. Um, I was working on something with a beauty company. I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, they wanted me to kind of come on board as creative director and also have an eye on casting. And at first, um, the casting direction they had was extremely light-skinned. Okay. And, and, and white skin. And when I say white skin, I mean like they're basically white, but they're not. Yeah, like passing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're like, like white with black features, basically. Yeah. Um, 
And I was like, are you being serious? <laughs> like, no, I was like, I was like, are you, it's like, where are my dark skin sisters? Where are my like plus size woman? Like, like what, what, where, where are my Muslim woman? Yeah. Like, like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand this. Um, and it wasn't that I was mad at them. I think they were just like, just completely so used to status quo with that company. Yes. And so used to getting away with that, that it didn't really stand out. So when I finally made that like, you know, blast email saying, yo, listen, I'm not going to be a part of something. If this is what, what you guys have in mind, they're like, Oh shoot. Like, you know, they kind of had that. I don't really notice that mentality and mm-hmm. they switched it up. Hey, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It still didn't, they still didn't get what exactly I wanted, yeah. but it was definitely better than what they um, portrayed at first. Um, and yeah, it's another, it's just another way that I was like, listen, you're going to put my sisters in there for sure. You're going to put plus size women in there for sure. You're going to put, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to get away with like half white, half black kids and Hispanic kids. And it's like, yo, listen, this is, especially if, yeah, I won't get into it, but <laughs> Just know that there are some black brothers that still love and cherish and admire and stick stay close to sisters. Because I could have easily been like, oh, what? The bag's fire. Yeah. Y'all do, y'all do whatever you want. I'll just sit here and, and put my name on it. And whenever, <laughs> whenever people complain, I'll just hide my name. Nah, I want to be able to proudly be like, listen, this is what we did. And we put it together and it was, it was for the, it was, it was for, it was for our community. And, you know, it wouldn't make sense for me to do the work I do if I'm going to do stuff like hide when people are talking about casting and, and, and the people that I'm, I'm recommending, you know? So that was, that was a, that was a good opportunity and great. It was a great way to gain insight on what companies really do on the inside. It was funny. Yeah. And no, I love, I love to hear that standing up for us, you know, <laughs> representation that's why you know when people talk about representation i'm like yeah okay representation matters but it also has to be the right type of representation right. there's a lot of people who would have cashed that check and been like you know in cancun and a month later posting pictures that's with me. hennessy and just chilling you know so i love that so definitely i want to talk a little bit about your project jump ball that you right. Released. So, can you tell me, you know, what it's about and 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 the story that you're trying to portray there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, hair appointment was an ode to the 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 the, the natural hair braiding experience back in 2018. I felt like it was expressive for 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 black women. Also, men could definitely interpret a lot from that. Um, and then the following year with jump ball, I was kind of like, okay, you know what? 2018 was hair appointment that took over the year. I feel like 2019, I need something equally as big or in that, you know, area of um, influence, but a bit more in tune with my personal experiences, right? Um, And coming up in a family where I played basketball basically all my life, but I also had um, that cultural influence embedded in my everyday life. I was like, I'd love to do a story that talked about this constantly evolving African um, cultural experience being part of the diaspora, but also how it's tied in with basketball. Cause a lot of time you see African experiences in soccer, but with basketball being the new big thing, especially here in the, in the U S with a bunch of NBA players um, starting to come from Africa, it was really important for me to tell that story. So I started it in Toronto, May, 2019, no real like, intention i just knew that i wanted to tell a story that reflected my community so i got about six 
different boys from six different countries. Sorry, six different six different groups of boys from six different countries. Senegal, Nigeria, Ghana, Somalia, Ethiopia, Congo, the the, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, and they all came out in their own like cultural attire. Somalia wore their religious attire, so they wore the kameez, um, and basically put together a project that spoke about how they play the game of basketball and they can do the street style, but they can also do their cultural style. Um, and it was beautiful. People were, it was well-received. People were like, yo, this can turn into a movie. This can turn into an ongoing series. And I just came up with the idea of turning it into a traveling series. I'm like, you know what? Like, why stop here? I got friends in New York. I got friends in London. I got friends all over the world that can probably help execute this vision. Um, so let's, let's move on with it. So after Toronto in May, I'd have wasted no time. I got right back to the drawing boards, reached out to Joshua Casey here in New York. Cause this is before I moved to New York. Um, and then by June came out here and we plotted on um, Harlem. Harlem was incredible. Harlem being the epicenter of basketball, right? The place where it's, 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 it's most influenced from. Um, we, uh, we were able to get, the West African community, the, the French African community, to be more specific. So Senegal, Guinea, Mali, um, Cote d'Ivoire, um, Gambia, to kind of take part in a very similar experience, very, very attire-driven, but with a bit more of a cultural um, perspective. So we didn't stay on the basketball court. We walked around the Harlem Malcolm Shabazz Market and these different really important places around the Harlem one once is it one is it 116th or 126 I, I, I still don't know I lived in Bed-Stuy oh okay yeah you're like I me. going to Harlem for me was like a once every year yeah, kind like of ex- like excursion yeah. if i was dating somebody yeah. who lived in harlem me and him were in a long distance relationship okay <laughs> so that, i can't understand what you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's how it was but i think it's 126 and lennox um but anyways we uh we um walked around there and honestly that was my first time doing that <laughs> uh okay. just because of the project itself but um yeah it was, it was a beautiful experience and that's when it really took off because you know josh josh has a pretty big name and he did a really good job and um we, we were able to capture something that took it to another level and then we just stopped there people are like yo you should just like tour the entire u.s i'm like okay that's not realistic but i would love to do a story that really hits home because so far we're touching on stories that just deal with like surface level basketball like the basketball courts the clothing yeah. they wear but there's so much more to these stories their families right the sacrifices their families have made um can we actually interview a family that's in the midst of some form of a, a reformation or some form of transition um so after studying for like studying and researching for like three four months i got in touch with my friend that works for the nba that actually knows a family or a community that untold story like no one has really told their story no one has really has, has really given them the platform to empower them so we went all the way to new hampshire um which is right outside of boston uh it's a city called manchester we took the amtrak <laughs> mm-hmm. and we told a story that you know was mind-blowing um this family is from south sudan and they left sudan south they left sudan before it split into south sudan and sudan um so they left in 97 went to egypt for two years um to seek asylum and then ended up in new hampshire three years after that uh and now they're 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 um 
the, the family of an NBA player named Wenyan Gabriel, who plays for the Port- Portland Trailblazers. So these wow. sacrifices were made, and now they have a champion. They have a, somebody that, you know, is representing an entire community from this family. And we were able to sit down with them. We ate lunch and dinner with them. We really vibed out with them. They brought the entire community to the house. So we took a bunch of portraits. They're all dressed up. And then after that, we were still able to find one or two hours to go to the local community center and photograph some of the other South Sudanese boys that um, play basketball there. And um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see. And we really took it there. That was the first deck I ever made that was like extremely detailed and like we really took it that far every other deck we've made for like harlem and toronto were very surface level you know we knew what we were shooting already josh got the vision but this one was very detailed we treated like a movie almost and uh i think it's well reflected through the through the results we got as well so yeah it's just a matter of taking these stories and just continuing continuing to push the envelope and touch on these different communities or these different sub-communities like do we touch on muslim women from somalia do we touch on um you know afro-latina uh basketball players from the dominican republic like there's so many different ways to tap into these stories so i'm excited to see where this is going to go but we're working on something really big for 2021 and hopefully um that really takes it to the next level like film festival level etc oh yeah no that would be Amazing. There's never can be enough black films, you know. Trust me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Especially before it gets commercial, you know. Like I feel like when it gets commercial, sometimes it waters down. It waters down a few themes, but yep. before you get to commercial, that like indie level, it's like that's that raw, real stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm excited to see what we can do with that. Yeah. Okay, and outside of creative creative collaborations, because you are, you know, really passionate about the diaspora in Africa connecting more what are some ways that people from the diaspora in Africa can work together to strengthen that bond and and just our overall well-being um I think there's a few ways I I I, uh this is one initiative in Nigeria that I've been keeping a really close eye on I totally forgot their name I'll remind you if I remember, but I've been in touch with them for like a year or two now. And just the way they go about nonprofit work in Nigeria is incredible because they are, they are rooted and embedded in Nigeria, but a lot of them are from the diaspora. So some of them live in London, some of them live in California, some of them are in New York, and they basically find resources and find ways to tap into the markets here. Okay. And then, and, and kind of encourage people and like, you know, persuade people and just convince people to like, you know, bring it back home almost and you know okay. it goes beyond the year of return and whatever's going on in ghana it's like how to find ways to pay, pay it forward back home because the resource because the skills are there these kids yes. are extremely talented these people yeah. are head over heels man like i don't know if you've been keeping up with those ikoro d boys no oh yes the ones who make the um no. the, the of the yeah Just, i love them like come on man like imagine putting a budget even like even something so small behind those guys and giving them like a day in like a in Tyler Perry's Perry Studios or something like they do some they should be getting paid incredible stuff. they should yeah. be getting paid for these so I know, I know we're kind of drifting back into the creative conversation but what I'm saying is there's so much to funnel there's so much potential in just like connecting back home um, and having these conversations and I think it takes trustworthy people in the diaspora to be like yo listen I'm like you man 
to everyone in Maryland, to everyone in, in Oakland, to everyone in, I don't know, London, to everyone in Paris. Persuade these first generation, second generation kids that, yo, like it's lit back home. And like they can really come up if we, if we kind of come together. And I sound cliche, but I've seen it with my own eyes going back to Ghana, going back to Nigeria, right? So we have to find a way to use that, be, um, be, that, be that funnel. Um, and I think that's kind of what our job is. And that's why I was so happy I did that documentary. Um, back in December with Facebook because it allowed me to bring that knowledge back home to, to, to people in Canada and, 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 and the U.S. But like, yo, like, they're having, they're having the same amount of fun as us. They're, they're, their life's good. Like, they don't have to come over here to succeed. You know what I mean? So that same energy you had when you were young and you thought Africa was a dump or you thought things weren't really working out or, you know, everyone over there doesn't have money is completely fallacy. And it's time to really like bridge that gap. Um, and I think, again, that's kind of our, 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 our duties because the people back home are looking at us and saying, yo, what's going on in America? What's the new biggest trend? Um, and the people over here are looking at Africa like, I don't know if we want to go back, man. Like, I see it. It looks cool, but, like, I'm not sure. So it's kind of like, yo, how do you find ways to kind of rally that all up and call it and make sure we're uniting as one? Um, so I'll tell you that company's name I'm speaking about because they're doing mm-hmm. a really good job at branding the idea of unity. Um, and they're doing it. Like, they're building schools. They're they're re, they're re um they're refurnishing the interiors of certain spaces over there, like educational institutions, et cetera. Um, and they're just doing really good work. I think they're working in the water space as well. So they're making sure there's clean water coming into certain schools. And it's really being there for the kids. Um, and it's really inspiring because it's a small company. They don't really have much support and backing, but they're doing, they're doing what they can. Um, so, yeah, I think outside of the creative, there's just so many different ways to tap in, so many different ways to, you know, offer a hand. And we still have privilege. I was on, I was on, I was on mm-hmm. live chat with Evie, Evie Annie, um, a few weeks back, and she made a really, really good point about us going back to Africa and taking on opportunities, and the fact that we have to be translators yep. versus competitors. Yep. Like we, we shouldn't be going back there and taking over opportunities because we know we have the upper hand being privileged. Like we're, exactly. we're the, we're the, we're the Nigerians in, in America. We're the Ghanaians in America. We're the, the Jamaicans in America. We're not, we're not the Jamaicans that never left the country. We're not the Nigerians that, that are still in Lagos. We're not the Ghanaians that have never left Accra. So understand that, comprehend that, acknowledge that, and make sure when you're going home, you're finding ways to get them in those, in, in those spaces and, and empowering them because it's there. It's, 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 it's about them. It's their time. You've had your time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, there's just so much we can we can we can go on and on about. Um, but yeah, we 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 won't we won't succeed if 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 we continue to treat it treat, treat them like our little brothers. Okay. Well, yeah. So just tell us, you know, where we can follow you on Instagram and and and. S- Twitter and all of those good places and what oh, we man. should look out for from you and Sunday school. Right. Um, so start with my personal. So my personal pages are pretty uniform across all platforms. So Joseph Adamu, J-O-S-E-F-A-D-A-M-U on almost all platforms, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, um, Facebook is what well. uh, uh, just type my name on Facebook. You'll find it. Um, and for my business page, for our business page, 
It is one second. S S U N D A Y dot C O on Instagram, which is ironically also our website name. So www dot S S U N D A Y dot C O. That's our website. Um, unfortunately, it's, Twitter doesn't allow dots in names. <laughs> so it's S-S-U-N-D-A-Y underscore C-O on Instagram, on Twitter. Sorry. Um, and those are the only platforms we really use right now. We just started a YouTube channel. Well, we didn't just start it, but we just started like really using it and getting active with it pretty recently. Um, so if you type in Sunday School Creative on YouTube, you should be able to find one of our videos on there. Um, as far as what's coming, in this time of quarantine, we're doing a lot of like realignment, um, just planning out a few things that we hope to um, launch once quarantine's over. But in the meantime, seeing that people are still very active and people are still very much so locked into their phones and their computers and whatnot. We're still trying to offer some form of inspiration. So we're actually going to begin um, some YouTube videos that kind of formally in the space of e-learning okay. where we kind of just teach different concepts and do different things like that. And then try to find ways to transition those into PDF files that people can actually download and, you know, have at their disposal. So please check out for that. Um, that'll be through the Sunday school platform, Sunday school channel. Um, and yeah, that'd be a really, really, strong way for us to dive into the educational side that i've been dying to dive into for so Mm -hmm. long (laughs) because the creative stuff is amazing but i've always really been a big fan of like service and finding ways to pay this forward through the concepts and themes and different knowledgeable notes we have because there's a lot of knowledge out there that we're looking to give people so um please look out for that and just 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 support support you know we work so hard everything we've put out is original um and we're always looking for ways to work with new people that are looking to bring, bring a new perspective as well. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, and we got to work too. Yeah. We got to work. work. You guys are one of the only companies right now that I'm really, really impressed with um, on this side, at least. And I think, you know, when we come together, it's going to be something amazing for sure. I love people that companies or people or groups that just focus on like really, really, detail-oriented initiatives or projects or that kind of thing. So when I saw what you guys are doing with Orange Culture and stuff, I'm like, okay, this is the kind of thing that I like to see. Um, so now, nah, kudos to you for putting together something amazing. And uh, I see a lot of potential. I know it's going to grow to something massive. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy to be part of that. We have a lot more great interviews lined up this season. Joseph, again, brilliant person to interview, super insightful to, you know, not just speak to people from the diaspora that live in the U.S., but also to really get those conversations going with people in Canada and France and, you know, hoping to travel to South America, you know, once COVID is uh, under control. I haven't done, you know, much traveling in South America, but just knowing, you know, how many African people are living in Brazil and, you know, so many different countries on that continent. It's something I'm definitely looking out for. And we can create some great content and find some great brands out there as well. 
So to stay up to date with the podcast, make sure to subscribe and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Google Play, and check back in every Wednesday for a new episode. To find out more about the people discussed in each episode and to shop styles from the brands we work with, visit shopthefolklore.com and sign up for our email list to receive 10% off your first order. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Folklore. We also have a big announcement that will be dropping on Friday, April 17th. Definitely make sure you are subscribed to our newsletter because you'll be the first per- the first to find out what this announcement is. This is something that, you know, we've been working on for a few weeks now and in silence. And now it's time to make it loud and to make it something that everyone will enjoy. Just wanted to give you a heads up about that announcement. And I also want to continue to tell everyone to stay safe, stay inside and stay optimistic. Again, my name is Amir Rasul and this is Our Folklore. (laughs) 